You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. This is episode 104. Today on the show, I am joined by Krista King, and we are talking all things stress and how stress impacts your menstrual cycle, both your period and ovulation. So Krista is a registered dietitian, a nutritionist, integrative and functional certified nutritional practitioner, and a holistic health coach. Through her online practice, Composed Nutrition, she provides virtual nutrition coaching courses and resources to naturally heal your hormones, digestion, and anxiety. And this is why I couldn't have thought of a better woman to ask to join me on the podcast to talk about this exact topic, stress on your cycle. So we dive into some really beautiful topics about looking at stress in a new way and how stress really impacts our menstrual cycle through our sex hormones, along with emotional eating and mood swings. So we cover everything from the root cause of stress to how your body responds to stress, what to eat when you are stressed rather than stressed eating, tools for managing stress and what to do if you do have a stress cycle, if you do have a delayed period, a delayed ovulation and how you can actually tell that it's related to stress. We talk about all of this in this episode, along with when your health focus can become your stressor. (laughs) Yep. Juicy topic. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode. There's lots to cover and take notes because I promise you, literally swear to God, that stress can impact your cycle. And even if you don't think stress is impacting your cycle, I can guarantee you it really is impacting your cycle. So head over to Instagram if you want to check out who we're talking to. So you can put a face to the name and look up composed nutrition. You'll find Krista there and you can put a face to the name while we go through this episode. All right. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by the Well Women Academy. The Well Women Academy is my signature group coaching program. It's a weekly membership together where we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Join me and women from all over the world as together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and everything to do with your yoni. This is your chance to join an international community of supportive women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's a cyclical sisterhood like no other, not to mention it's also cheaper than your daily coffee fix. To learn more and to join us, head to wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash academy. Krista, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm feeling really blessed to have you talk about this particular topic we're going to dive into today. Um, I know you're a bit of an expert when it comes to hormones and stress and the health of, you know, the female body around hormonal health. So before we jump into it, tell us what day of your cycle are you on today and what are you checking in with in this moment? Yeah, I am on day 28. So very end of my luteal phase, about to start menstruation. And so really checking in with how can I incorporate kind of the gifts of that phase of our cycle, which is resting and restoring. And that leads us into this topic of stress response and Mm -hmm. how am I managing my stress with a lot of things going on? Fantastic. Um, What what length is your cycle normally? If today's day 28. Around day or 28 to 29 days usually mm-hmm. so. so you're pretty much right on the transition yes right there <laughs> like, I'm ready yes. fantastic now um, before we get into it and we do talk about stress um, I know you've had a very interesting end to 2020 yes. and um, some personal experiences that have come up for you but before we dive into it tell us who is Krista King tell us a little bit about you the holistic hormone nutritionist um, and how did you get into this this work in this field Yeah. So my practice is called composed nutrition. So I help 
clients with supporting their hormone health, menstrual health, and also gut health and anxiety and our mood relationship to food in our bodies. And I really started this practice um, a few years ago now, and it's really evolved into focusing on this hormone space because when I'm looking at you know, a client's health, I'm, I'm using a functional and integrative approach to nutrition and health, meaning what are the root causes contributing to the things that we're experiencing and how are all of the systems in the body connected? So really taking this why approach to why is this mm -hmm. presenting? And so the hormone health really came up as an overall theme that I was seeing with clients. And so it really evolved. And then um, noticing, you know, these menstrual issues that were coming up as well. And really the gut health and anxiety connection, it's all layered in. It's never just something isolated. Um, and so I got into this or nutrition originally. Um, I lost my mom when I was in college. And at that time, the health and wellness world is not what it is today. But Despite that, my mom was starting to ask these questions for her own health, and that really sparked my interest in preventative health. And mm -hmm. then that's really how things eventually evolved to where I am now. And that's how Composed Nutrition was born. Yes. <laughs> now, I'm sure that with your experiences that you just mentioned, particularly around your mom, um, you know, there was a lot of stress around that time, right? Mm -hmm. And this episode is really going to be honing in on stress on your cycle and how that impacts so much in your health, yeah. <laughs> not just your menstrual cycle, but your body's response to stress or how it reacts when there's a stressful situation is very different from person to person, but it's also somewhat quite similar. Mm -hmm. um, so how did you get into understanding more about stress? Like what is your passion for understanding stress mm -hmm. and hormone and the link between the two? Yeah. So the stress hormone piece, I wasn't really uncovering so much with digging into menstrual health, although there's a huge connection there because our stress response can have this domino effect on our stress or on our sex hormones rather that governs our menstrual cycle. But really it was more of my own personal healing journey with, you know, more of these things that we think of more in the mental emotional space and understanding our trauma response. I didn't really understand that what I had gone through was a trauma at the time. That sounds like a really big word, especially when we kind of apply it to these like one-time big events or, you know, something that could be, you know, like an abuse or a sexual trauma or these things, which it can absolutely be. Um, but loss of a loved one or these other, you know, we have these big T traumas and these little T traumas and everybody has these different experiences that they've been through. And so any sort of, you know, traumatic experiences that we've encountered, this is, um, you know, an impact on our nervous system. And so it's our hormonal response, but it's also our nervous system response. And so our nervous system can really feel the effects of this. And it's kind of linked to, you know, our cortisol response. And so I really started digging into how do the things that we have gone through in life or things that we have experienced, how do they start showing up in the body? And that big link there is our stress response. I love that. How do the things we've gone through or experienced show up in our body? Mm -hmm. Because I quite often mention, Krista, that like what we eat, and what we put on our bodies, so what we put in and on our bodies contributes to how we feel, but right. it's also the overall experiences that we have that can then show up in the body in many different ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a great example of that for the listeners who are like, I don't understand how that works is, well, if you break out in a rash, as an example, you know, and a rash can be a sign of irritation and frustration, and maybe that's showing up physically because you're experiencing a lot of irritation and frustration in your life. So I love that you mentioned that. So let's talk about, you know, before we dive into the stress response and how that actually works and the cascade of events that happens, um, but what is the root cause of stress? Yeah. So I think when it comes to stress, we often think of it as this, you know, more like mental, emotional kind of response that we're having, but it's actually this 
physiological response that's happening in the body in response to a stressor. So the things that we often talk about, like whatever is stressing me out, that thing is the stressor and that thing is the root cause. And I like to think of stress as either having some sort of mental, emotional root cause, like what some of the things I was just talking about, these, you know, difficult life experiences or these core beliefs that we develop as a result of those things. But then there's also the physical root causes. So are there some underlying gut infections and inflammation going on? Like you mentioned, the things that we put on our bodies, um, you know, even things like dehydration or travel or injuries or blood sugar imbalances, all of these things can affect us internally and have a physical effect. So it's, you know, what are the stressors causing the stress kind of cascade to happen in the body? It's kind of like the the triggers, right? Like you mentioned yes. the, emo- the mental and the emotional. I guess something happens in your life, it triggers you, and then therefore that is kind of like setting a switch off in your house, like turning on the lights and it turns on all the lights. <laughs> so then, right. then your body responds. And there's a really big link I've heard, and I know a little bit about this, about how your gut relates to your mind. And how, mm-hmm. how does that work with stress, the whole gut mind, gut brain connection when there's stress present? Yeah. So really when there's that stress response going on, it can really affect all systems in the body. And so that makes us more susceptible to be experiencing gut issues, things like leaky gut or the clinical term for that intestinal permeability. So if we're not properly digesting and absorbing our food, we could be, you know, taking in larger food particles that the body views those as foreign invaders that can be a contributor to inflammation. If we have all these gut issues going on, um, you know, our mood chemical production, you know, a significant portion of that happens in our gut. So if we're having all these gut issues, you know, maybe we're not producing enough serotonin, for example. And um, so then that can really affect our mood. And we have this uh, nerve in our body called the vagus nerve, which is our Um, you know, connection between our gut and our brain. And if we're in this fight or flight response, that's the sympathetic nervous system, we kind of have two nervous systems going on sympathetic, so super stressed out, crazy fight or flight. And then we have our parasympathetic, and that's our rest and digest. So our stress response is keeping us in this more fight or flight. And if we don't have tools or strategies or things to help ignite the parasympathetic nervous system to get into this place for rest and digest, we just kind of end up in this loop where we kind of lose track of which came first, the stress or the physical thing in the body. It kind Mm -hmm. of is like this feedback loop. Feedback loop is such a great example. Like that's a great description, I should say. Um, Because when we look at the two different systems in the nervous system, they really are going to trigger each other mm-hmm. in the sense that like, if you're not aware that you're in this fight or flight state, this sympathetic ner- nervous system state, which I feel, and tell me what your thoughts are, but I feel like, especially with the year of 2020, more and more people are living in this state of um, stress, but don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. don't even realize it. Like they're so disconnected with how their body feels when it's not stressed that they don't recognize that they are stressed. And when we look at that, I really feel that a lot of women specifically and menstruators who I'm seeing and I'm working with inside the Wellbeing Academy is that they don't realize when they are in a bad mood that maybe that's not just because you're feeling a bit sad or unhappy, but maybe that's because there's something going on internally, like your gut health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the actual response, maybe if you can just share a diet, like a a verbal diagram of how our bodies respond when there's stress. So let's just say you've had an argument with your partner or Mm -hmm. you've just lost your job or you've found out you've Mm -hmm. got to move house or you've just had gone through a breakup, whatever it might be. What's the body's natural? So not what you want to your body or not how you want your body to respond, but how does your body Mm -hmm. naturally like physically respond and biologically respond to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally agree that, you know, with this year, many of us aren't 
you know, totally connected with, you know, how the stress is impacting our, our bodies. And so really tapping into that, or, you know, even before this year, our lives are so go, go, go that, you know, then on top of this, it's kind of, I like to think of, you know, what are all the things possibly contributing to stress? We have like the stress cup and what are all the things going into it? Once it overfills, then we really start to see things show up in the body. But when we're talking about what is the physiological response. And I think it's important to know that the body doesn't really do a good job of differentiating what is good stress or bad stress, you know, planning our wedding versus, you know, losing our job, the body's like stress. And um, so it can be good stress or bad stress to be mindful of too. Um, But what happens is- So hang on, just before you go into it, you were saying, and this is just highlighting for everyone listening, you're saying that even if it's a, a happy, positive, experience but it's stressful the bodies are going to respond the same as if it was a trauma stress to if it was you planning your wedding and being a little bit stressed about that yeah so there's definitely going to be different levels of stress um you know whether it's you know an isolated incident or something that's kind of progressed over time or something that is more of this you know big t actually traumatic event so there will be different levels but yeah the body will still respond to stress if it's a good stress too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so what happens is it's our adrenal glands that really govern the stress response and these are teeny glands that sit on top of our kidneys like little hats and what happens is they release cortisol or our main stress hormone And what happens when cortisol is released is it kind of kicks in that fight or flight response. So the body's like, okay, I either need to fight this off or run away. Or there's also the freeze response, which the freeze response could happen right away, but that also could be, you know, a response of prolonged stress, which we may kind of be feeling now when we've been, you know, fighting and flighting, and then it becomes too much. We can end up in this freeze response. Um, but initially, you know, this fight or flight response, and this is really, um, really an ancestral response that, you know, maybe years and years and years ago, um, we would have actually needed to run away from, you know, like an animal, like a tiger or something, but now the stressors are, you know, different, you know, stressful email, you know, whatever it is, but, you know, we're still responding the same way. And so the cortisol kicks off and then everything that needs to happen for the body to actually physically be able to run or fight happens. So our blood pressure rises so that we have enough oxygen to, you know, run or fight our, mm-hmm. um, our digestion and reproduction actually take a back seat because that's not deemed important right now. Um, and our breathing rate increases. And so we may feel more shallow breathing if we're in the stress response. Um, and so, you know, all of these things are happening. And so that's the sympathetic nervous system. And, you know, when our, uh, reproduction and digestion are taking a back seat because of the stress, then we can understand why gut issues and menstrual issues become, um, so apparent when it's, we're in this chronic stress because our body's not focusing on it because it feels like it needs to protect you in this moment. I love that you mentioned that, Krista, and brought up about the fact that your digestion and like reproduction is literally taking that time out. It's the body's like, hang on, we don't feel safe to reproduce. So therefore, we don't really need to ovulate because you probably couldn't carry a child because you're way too stressed for that. And then also the body's like, dude, we don't have time to focus on digestion. You need adrenaline to like run fast. (laughs) So let's like focus in on the reproductive side. So looking at how our body responds or um, how stress's response can impact our hormones and our reproduction through our menstrual cycle. So what is the stress response with our sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, and maybe even the FSH and LH hormone too? Yeah, so um, chronic stress can delay ovulation because like we were just saying, the body's like, okay, this is not an ideal time to bring life into this world. And so it will delay ovulation. And so this can feel really frustrating, but it's important to know your body's always on your side. So it's, um, you know, delaying ovulation kind of as this protective mechanism. So we need to understand that. And so a late or delayed period will always be due to 
delayed or late or lack of ovulation. So really it's ovulation that we want to focus on when we're wanting to bring back a regular cycle. Um, so if we're not ovulating, we're not gonna be producing enough progesterone. And so then we can end up with imbalances in estrogen and progesterone. Um, stress response could potentially you know, impact our estrogen levels, our estrogen metabolism. Um, you know, for some people they could experience low, they could just experience this imbalance of estrogen and progesterone. Um, and so then once we see those imbalances, that's when we can start seeing these symptoms, you know, whether it's PMS symptoms, period pain, um, bloating, the gut issues get tied in. It really is a cascade of events, right? This stress mm -hmm. hormone piece that comes into play. Um, I love that you highlight about the ovulation and delayed ovulation. Um, I see a lot where, with natural fertility awareness and following, you know, those hypnothermal methods is that a lot of women, when they're in a stress cycle, and it's technically called a stress cycle, you know, if your body is going through um, a cycle, a menstrual cycle, and it's attempting to ovulate, and then it doesn't ovulate, and then it ovulates later in the cycle, the amount mm -hmm. of trackers that I've seen and helped clients with in helping them identify that you're actually ovulating a lot later than you think you're ovulating. Mm -hmm. And just because you have a little bit of slippery egg white mucus in the early stage of your cycle doesn't mean that you've ovulated already. Mm -hmm. You know, your body could be trying to ovulate, but if you've been going through chronic stress for a long period of time, naturally your body is still like, nah, no, we can't support you and the child right now, let alone breastfeed a child and go through the fourth trimester, which is additional stress, right? Right. So when a woman is going through um, a stress cycle, like what's your suggestion for support, Krista? It really depends on the person, and what their personal root causes are of stress, kind of what I listed out earlier. Um, you know, everybody will have their own unique mix of what their personal stressors are, the internal and external. And, um, you know, if it's gut issues, for example, we really want to address those for everybody really focusing on blood sugar balance and making sure that we're eating consistently, incorporating carbs, protein and fat. We do need all three. It's really just figuring out kind of your unique ratio that works for your body. Um, but really focusing on the blood sugar balance and eating enough, eating consistently, because I'm sure we all have experienced when we've gone too long without eating or had a blood sugar spike and crash or just feel, you know, that irritability or hanger even um, mm -hmm. when we're not eating consistently. So that's really the foundational nutrition, um, you know, guide guidance that can be um, the most helpful to just start with, with managing our stress response, because another thing that happens is our body can start producing more blood sugar because we need energy to run or fight. And so our blood sugar can get kind of, you know, out of balance as well from, from our stress response. It's so important to understand this because I don't think enough women realize that, you know, maybe if you've got those hunger like hangry kind of cravings, even though you might be like, oh, it's just my inner autumn. You know, maybe you are going through a stress stage in your life and you're eating your way through this stress and then that's contributing to this blood sugar increase, but also you don't realize that your digestive system is slowed down and therefore that's why you're gaining weight and you're feeling sluggish and you've got no energy or zest for life. Mm -hmm. um, out of everything you just said, I would just highlight the fact that from what I'm picking up, you're saying is that you just want to identify with the fact that there's stress present mm -hmm. and then identify what the stress is. And then once you've done that, the next step might be looking at where is the stress? Is the stress internal in my body, like gut stress? Like I used to have leaky gut. That was a stressful thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then like environmental stress or lifestyle stress, as an example. Mm -hmm. But you've mentioned about nutrition and how that helps. So let's talk about some nutrition tips to supporting stress. So if a menstruator is listening to this, Krista, and they're like, fuck, man, I am stressed all the time. I don't even know how to get out of my work stress, let alone my life stress, because there's financial stress, study stress, living yeah. stress, children's stress, all of these things. Mm -hmm. We can't escape all of that. But what's a good way to understand how to eat balanced so that we're getting enough nutritional support to support the fact that maybe we are in a stress response state? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's an important thing, um, too, to 
understand that we don't want these health things to be another added stress. So feeling like how I'm supporting my stress, we don't want that to turn into its own unique, another stressor. So it's not creating a whole other laundry list of to do's that come, you know, come to our health. It's really identifying really what's the lowest hanging fruit. Like what is like the thing that is like contributing the most, or what is the one thing that I can incorporate to start with? Um, Because when we feel like we have like 80 million things going on, like adding in more things, you know, can, can feel overwhelming, even though it is to support ourselves during this. But, um, you know, when it comes to the food piece, I really think it's just making it as simple as possible. You know, when I talk to clients, um, you know, even just like picking like one breakfast for the whole week, and just like having that out of mind, you know, it's like prepped, ready to go, um, grab and go. And just, you know, when it comes to building our meals, can we, you know, not feel like we have to like cook every single meal, but can we prepare some proteins, prepare some starches or carbs, prepare some veggies to like make throw together meals and, you know, just find like one thing that resonates with, like, I can get started with that. You know, if I'm not eating any breakfast, get started with one meal, you know, versus trying to tackle it all at once, because it really is these small shifts that add up over time. It oftentimes with our health, and this is what we're sold to, you know, sold so much by, you know, the diet and health industry that it needs to be this like total revamp of everything, but that's not sustainable. It's not realistic Mm -hmm. and it's going to be more stressful. It's just not sustainable, literally. Like, for those who are like, oh my God, I'm just, you know what, I'm feeling really sluggish in my body and, you know, I've been overeating and I've been like indulging way too much. I'm just, you know, what? I'm just going to do a juice fast and I'm just going to probably do it for like three or four weeks. I think that's what I'm going to do. You get two days in and it's just not sustainable because it's not really what's serving your body. It's what is serving the ego potentially, but it's not ultimately serving the body. And so keeping it simple, like I just made the note of making it as simple as possible. That's what you mentioned. Mm -hmm. It's not about doing all the things because I know for me, when I was healing through leaky gut, the stress of doing the healing Mm -hmm. and cutting and restricting actually created more stress on the body. And therefore that put the body into a more stressed state, which does, which we now know slows down the digestive system. It slows down your reproductive system. And then I came off the pill and then I lost my period for nine months. No bloody hell of it. Like, like, of course that happened. Right. Right. So what are like some areas that like you mentioned some tips around some meals, but are there any specific nutrients that are really Mm -hmm. important to include? Because I feel that, There's a lot of menstruators out there who are like, oh, but if I eat fat, it might make me fat. So I'm just going to cut that back. And carbs are just not good for me because that's probably contributing to my weight, you know, imbalance. Mm -hmm. What are some important nutrients that um, are good to include in your meal throughout the week? So not every meal, but just throughout the week. Yeah, definitely. Well, when it comes to our nutrients, we have our macronutrients, which those are our carbs, fats, and proteins. And all of those have had time being demonized or even today in various diets or various for various reasons but it's important to understand we do need all three we need our protein and fat help with you know keeping our blood sugar stable help with satiety or feeling you know satisfied with our meals we need enough fat to produce our hormones if we don't have enough fat we will not have the building blocks we need to create our hormones um, we need a protein to build our mood chemicals. So our protein foods break down into amino acids and specific ones are, uh, you know, each build our specific mood chemicals. And so if we don't have enough protein, we're not going to be feeling too good with our mood. <laughs> That's so important. Can we expand on that? Because I feel that many menstruators don't understand the importance of protein because of the the food industry or the diet industry or the nutrition industry is like protein is for growing big muscles right (laughs) but it's vitally important for how you feel right your mood so talk on that why is that so important yeah so when we think about you know the building blocks of our mood chemicals you know our food it breaks down into these little pieces that's our digestion then we absorb it and then we use these different pieces to build different things in the body And, um, you know, our mood chemicals are built from certain amino acids. For example, our serotonin, we need tryptophan. We often hear that, you know, here in the U.S. around Thanksgiving time because 
we hear like Turkey makes you tired and that's not totally, you know, the case, but that's often when we hear about tryptophan, but what it does is it helps to um, produce serotonin or we need it to build serotonin. And so it gets converted into different things. That's kind of where all the biochemistry comes in, which I won't get into, but we need the amino acid building block. And then our vitamins and minerals are kind of like the helpers in this whole conversion process. So we need things like magnesium our B vitamins, vitamin C to help with that conversion process. So when we're talking about, you know, the nutrients for stress, those same ones are really important for our mood chemicals and our stress response, um, you know, which goes hand in hand. It's, you know, like our nervous system and our hormonal system. Those are our two internal communication systems. And really, if there's something out of balance in our body, there's something out of balance usually, you know, going on with our hormones and our neurotransmitters, our mood chemicals. I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my Reset Your Cycle Masterclass series. This is a three-part live class series to transform your menstrual cycle knowledge and increase cycle confidence. Throughout three live classes, you'll discover understanding your cycle hormones, what they are, how they change throughout the four phases of your monthly cycle, and how they contribute to how you feel. You'll also discover cycle disruptors and what you can do, those things that make you feel a little bit out of whack through your cycle off balance and impact your moods along with your hormones. And then we cover your cycle and natural contraception, gain a better understanding of contraception, the good, the confusing, and how to choose a contraceptive method that serves you and your health goals. Head over to wellsome.com forward slash shop to learn more. That's wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E dot com forward slash shop and use the code cycle love to save 20% off. I I hope everyone who's listening to this is really tuning into the fact that yeah, eating a wide range of macronutrients is important. That's why they say, you know, get all of your proteins, carbs and fats. But then if you're doing that, you're also most likely getting more nutrients. Are there any specific um, like nutritional products that you recommend? Like, you know, just hearing you talk about magnesium and vitamin Bs and vitamin C, you know, for me, that kind of highlights the fact that it's important to take a high quality or pharmaceutically graded multivitamin on a regular basis. Is that something that you recommend? Yeah, I do often recommend that with clients, you know, it may depend on the client what I would recommend, but often Mm. I will recommend, you know, just a good full, you know, complete multivitamin or, or prenatal, just because, you know, while ideally we would be able to get what we need from food, just food, you know, just due to manufacturing processes. And, you know, just, I, I like to think of a multivitamin kind of just like an insurance policy to make sure that we are getting everything that, that we need. It really is a good way to ensure you're getting everything. Cause I don't know about you, but I can't sit there and be like, all right, am I getting my daily vitamin E? Have I eaten enough spinach to contribute to that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got so many other things to do rather than sit there and count my nutrients. But if I know if I focus on just eating close to nature, so nature-based foods, mm-hmm. I do that most of the time. And I'm, you know, continually eating throughout the day, not overeating, but eating in balance and taking a good quality nutritional product, they kind of like work like best friends. They actually support each other. Um, But it's a really great overview, um, Krista, on moods and how nutrition is really important for helping with your mood. Because when you're stressed, let's talk about stress eating and the habit Mm -hmm. of stress eating. Yeah. What do you see with the the clients that you work with around stress eating? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see kind of two ends of the spectrum, either one, you know, completely lose appetite. And, you know, food does not sound like something you want or kind of get some like stress nausea. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, using food as, you know, a a comfort or, you know, seeing that unintentional overeating or, you know, binge eating, you know, I'll see sometimes. And so with that, it's really getting clear again on what are my root causes of stress and, you know, understanding that there's nothing wrong with me if I'm using food as a tool for stress. It's just understanding what is my intention with the tool that I'm using. If this is not serving me, it's usually there's something deeper going on emotionally where we have learned to use food as a tool to manage our emotions. That is so good. What is my intention with the tool I am using? I love that. That's a great line. 
um, because there's so many different types of tools that you can use and food sometimes is just one of those. Right. Um, like if you think about what you mentioned before about how consuming good quality proteins helps with your moods, mm-hmm. thinking about you know, good quality fats can help stabilize your blood sugar with protein sources and also potentially with your hormones. You know, if you're not getting those things and all of that's out of whack, then you're pretty much just going to be choosing the bad or poor food options just to make you feel good because you're trying to fill a hole or for, be fulfilled, yeah. right? But um, so food is just one tool. What are some other tools that can really help with stress that you recommend to your clients? So we understand that you know, they might go to, to food as an example, um, but what else can they use as tools to help bring their body back yeah. into this parasympathetic, you know, rest and yeah. digest state? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And um, another piece just to kind of round out the, um, the food is that if we're also not focusing on blood sugar balance throughout the day, then, you know, it could be a tool that we're using to manage our emotions, but it could also be the fact that we're not including enough protein or fat or food in general earlier in the day. And so then when we get home and maybe we're not, or, you know, our workday is done or whatever we're doing that day we're, is done. And we've been so focused on what we're doing. And then we're realized like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. My blood sugar's dropped. And then we unintentionally overdo it. I mean, that is something that is really just a physiological response to like not having food. It's that my body is like, okay, I need to eat like whatever now, because a drop in blood sugar is a big stress on the body too. Mm. Um, But when it comes to tools for managing stress, we can have these things that, um, you know, over time may not be the most helpful or healthy, you know, kind of these tools that work in the moment, but, you know, aren't really, you know, helpful long-term. And then we have ones that, you know, can't, can be helpful. So a lot of times we can think of it as like, what are our coping strategies and what are our, you know, I like to talk to my clients about building a stress toolkit, but first we have to understand how are we managing stress right now? And if it's, you know, only the food and the TV or even like alcohol or, you know, scrolling or, you know, it's really Mm -hmm. tapping into what am I using to manage my stress? And is this something that is something I want to be doing or something long-term or is it hurting my health? Um, And then getting clear on what are some things that I can start swapping it with and, you know, things that can really help because some of these tools that we have learned to use as our coping mechanisms, um, you know, they, they can, you know, stress our body more, you know, if we're turning to alcohol and have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, which is something um, that's part of my story of, you know, that was what I turned to to manage my emotions because I didn't know any better at the time. I didn't really know that that's what I was doing, but, you know, that had a long-term effect on my body. And so now that that's no longer part of my life, I need to, you know, look and see what are other tools that I can incorporate that, you know, have the desired effect, but not the long-term effects. So whether that is meditation or movement or creating a night ritual or, you know, having, you know, I talk to clients or friends or people about, you know, what are hobbies that we've let go of that we just like, quote, don't have time for, or haven't done in forever. You know, we want to connect with these things that bring us joy and that are, you know, igniting our feel good mood chemicals, not just triggering that dopamine, like reward need more, you know, response, which is what we we can kind of get from, you know, like checking our phone or being on our electronics, which I know I'm guilty of too, but we just need to check in with, you know, what are we using and is it serving us in the way that we want it to? So many golden nuggets in that. So many. Um, when you're mentioning about food and TV and alcohol and scrolling is that, you know, they are just mechanisms and often they are very just distractive mechanisms and distraction can actually be destructive mm-hmm. and distraction is really just the opposite of traction. So it's kind of taking you away from what your ultimate goal is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's different levels of this and I just kind of was feeling into those who are listening to us right now, you know, discuss this topic is that there's, as you mentioned much earlier, there's different types of stress. There's the stress of like, oh my God, I've got so much work to do this week. Or there's the stress of like, oh my God, I'm going through a traumatic situation and it's a really bad um, ending of a relationship. Or it is the loss of a loved one. There's different levels of stress. Mm -hmm. 
But our body, I feel that we all have some form of stress in some way, shape or form today. And the most common go-tos are the ones that you mentioned. So Mm -hmm. food, TV, alcohol and scrolling. But there's another one that I kind of picked up on, which is coffee. Mm -hmm. And I feel that when we look at the stress response, and you mentioned earlier, like when the body feels stressed, how does it respond? And it's, you know, it's the adrenaline and then from the adrenals and the cortisol I think a lot of people are in a stress response state and they are just consuming caffeine, thinking that's what they need to get them through their day. But is that really true? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good question with the caffeine and how it affects the the stress response. And I also want to make a note too that all of these things that we're mentioning, they're not bad. It's really, I think the big key piece is, um, you know, the intention behind it. Um, So it's not saying watching TV is bad or, you know, scrolling sometimes it's bad um it's just what is our intention behind it and if we're using the tool to numb out you know or too often you know or whatever that means for us that's being connected and present while you're doing these things is important like mm-hmm. if you're gonna that's what i'm picking up you're saying right like if you're gonna drink some alcohol be present with the glass of wine or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're drinking and do so with the people that you're with mm-hmm. and have presence around that rather than just throwing it back you know, in a disconnected way. Yeah. Well, alcohol is an interesting one because for me and my story, it's not something I can incorporate. It's not something that I am able to manage in a healthy way. So for alcohol, it's kind of one, um, you know, people may resonate with that as well, that it's something that they, you know, could have an unhealthy relationship with and they're finding it's just not working in the way that they want it to. So uh, at least with my story, that's one that I've had to remove completely. But maybe not for everybody else, because not everybody's thing is everybody else's thing. So for some Mm. people, yes, being present with that can maybe work. But yeah, with other things, yeah, yeah, definitely just checking in with, you know, what is my intention for this can be a really helpful question to ask, ask yourself. Yeah, for sure. So if women and menstruators are throwing back the coffee every day and they're feeling quite stressed, can you just explain how the body responds to caffeine when it's stressed? Because I think there's a bit of a disconnection of the understanding of that process. Yeah. Yeah. So with coffee, um, you know, I mentioned that stress cup and all the things that can go into it. And so caffeine can just be another one. It can trigger our cortisol response. And so just like everything we've been talking about, like it's not inherently bad, but it's understanding how it affects your body. And so some people can metabolize coffee and caffeine better than others. So some people are like, I can have coffee before bed and sleep just fine. And others, um, you know, have like half a cup and they're like, I'm too jittery. Um, So it's really checking in with one, how does it affect my body? And then really also, again, that intention piece of, do I feel like I absolutely need this to get through the day? versus like, I'm just enjoying my, like, I have my one cup of coffee and I can take it or leave it sort of thing. And so if we're feeling like we absolutely need it to get through the day, that can be a sign that, you know, maybe something's going on with your cortisol response. That's a great question. Like, is this something I could not have in my day today? Mm-hmm. And if you're attached to that, you're like, oh my God, I couldn't live without my coffee or like, oh my yeah. God, I couldn't live without my phone. Mm-hmm. That's a really good response and identify to be like, hang on a second. Mm -hmm. And I think something that I love to share with um, the women that I work with, Krista, is that if you're responding like that, the best way to understand whether you have an attachment to to something is, or even if to understand how your body's responding to something is to give it a break. Yeah. Just give it a break for a bit. It doesn't mean you can't drink coffee ever again. It just means like maybe just this week, just for one week, you're just going to cut the coffee out. And just see how you feel, see how your body responds. And then something that I love um, with caffeine is that when clients do that and then they reintroduce the caffeine back in is also notice how your body responds. Right. And that's one of the best ways. It takes longer. It's a longer journey to kind of understand. But I think with caffeine, that's a really great way to understand how your body's either responding to it, relying on it or dependent on it. And a good question is with everything, is that how dependent on this one thing am I? How dependent on uh, having chocolate in the house Mm -hmm. am I? How dependent am I on having this morning ritual? Like even uh, it can be a healthy example. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we talked about the health stresses. Um, I have a client at the moment who is so attached to her cacao, her ceremonial cacao ritual every single morning. 
but it's creating some imbalances and other aspects of, mm-hmm. of her health. And mm-hmm. I've encouraged her to just give it a break for two weeks and just mm-hmm. see how she feels, see how yeah. her body responds to that. But she's feeling so dependent on this because it's been a ritual for her for yeah. over a year that she can't break the cycle. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show that regardless of what the thing is, whether right. it's making homemade pesto and being attached to having pesto in your salad every day or it's the coffee, or it's the chips and the chocolate, is that if you're dependent on something, then there's an attachment. So just give it a break and see how your body responds. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's such a good point that it's, you know, it doesn't really matter what the thing is, whether we view it as quote healthy or unhealthy, you know, um, it's what is our relationship to it? And then kind of digging underneath, like, what is this thing serving like what what purpose or you know what kind of back to managing emotions you know Mm. is that you know like a thing like a control thing I feel like everything's out of control in my life I can control this one thing um you know what kind of core beliefs are driving these behaviors is you know another thing that I'll dig into sometimes that's such a good question too about exploring the behavior around the the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's we're nearly out of time, and I'd love to talk about stress cycles in relation to the menstrual cycle and stress. Mm-hmm. And we already talked a little bit about how ovulation is the one that's impacted, mm-hmm. and that you know stress can you know then challenge your menstruation. It might be a delayed cycle, or it might be a shorter cycle. But when a woman is like, I'm so fucking stressed <laughs> and it's impacting my cycle, um, yeah. what are some things that you would recommend for a menstruator who's going through an experience like that and is seeing that their cycle is different every cycle? Like a good identifier yeah. is, you know, if you've got a 26-day cycle, then it's a 30-day cycle, then it's 28 days, mm-hmm. then it goes back to 30, and then it goes to yeah. 23. If you're seeing that and there's no um, cyclical nature in its behavior, as in mm-hmm. it's all over the place, that's a good identifier that there's stress present right. and it's a stress cycle. Mm-hmm. So what would you recommend for these women and menstruators who are going through this um, that they could help bring their cycles back into, into, into balance? Yeah, I think a lot of things that we've already touched on. First, it's always getting clear. Uh, you know, I'm always wanting to understand why so what is the root cause and that will be different from person to person but even just starting with getting clear on what potentially could be you know the root cause of my stress so kind of almost like doing a brain dump of like what do i think is going on and then a big thing is understanding there's going to be some things on this list that are out of my control but i can control how i respond to them so understanding that piece of you know and then where can i you know this is more like lifestyle versus nutrition things but where can I like reorganize some things in my life or where can I just like cut stuff out on that stress list of like, I can where say, can no I say no. Yeah. Where can I say no? <laughs> yeah. So I think that is, you know, really a good starting point because we want to understand what are all the contributors. And um, then when it comes to the physical body, I talked a lot about the blood sugar balance. We want to make sure that we're getting, you know, the nutrients that we need so that, you know, balance of carbs, proteins, fats, but then also the nutrients like the magnesium, the B vitamins, um, vitamin D, our zinc is really important. B6, um, our omega-3 fatty acids are important too, especially for experiencing period pain type symptoms like cramps or Mm -hmm. breast tenderness um, or really any sort of pain can be helpful for that. Um, So our nutrients, our blood sugar balance, and then, um, you know, doing a little inventory of our home and cleaning and toiletry products, you know, um, where can we make swaps there to, you know, more natural alternatives? Because like you mentioned earlier, the things that we put on our skin and in our home, those can affect our hormones too. Um, And then also exercise. So too much high intensity exercise can be another, you know, added stressor. And so it's stressful. It is stressful on the body. And so um, if we're finding that we're feeling really depleted after a workout, that can be a good indicator that it could be time to scale back on the high intensity exercise for experiencing like joint pain, muscle aches, you know, these are signs of inflammation and um, just other signs to scale back. So really that low and moderate intensity exercise still supports the body, but um, not triggering that stress response. 
beautiful tips. I want everyone who's listening to this to rewind. You got to hit that little button on the app and rewind a minute or so and write down all of these things and then just pick one or two of them to do because if you do them all it's probably going to stress you out (laughs) so just pick one or two ideally one to focus on for this week and then add a new one next week and then a new one the following week and just add one new tip each week that Krista has just mentioned and that will long-term contribute to helping balance your stress cycles and that will contribute to your overall cycle over many cycles to come um, Krista, they were such great tips, particularly oh, okay. the one around product inventory in your house. Just yeah. make that make that one of the last ones. It's not the most important. Don't yeah, be like, no. oh, I'm going to put that at the top of the list. Yeah. <laughs> and even with that, just replace one thing at a time. When you run out of something, replace it. You don't need to throw everything in your house away um, just as you run out. That's a great tip too. So many good tips. Now, we are pretty much out of time and I do have a final podcast question. But before we get into that, Tell us and our listeners, how can we find you, Krista? How, like, what is it that you offer? How can we find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me at my website is composednutrition.com. So you can see all of my offerings that I have available there, um, offering one-on-one virtual coaching to those in the U.S. And for those not in the U.S., I do have a Heal Your Period online program. So that's a way to connect um, and you can also find me on Instagram at Compose Nutrition as well. Amazing. Well, I'm going to pop all those links in the show notes. I know you also offer a free download guide on, a, it's a hormone guide, right? Which yeah. is like nine steps to happy hormones. Did I get that right? Yes. Yes. And a five day meal plan at the end too. So it's a great place to get started. Awesome. Well, I'm going to include that in the show notes because I know that if you are listening to this and you're feeling a little bit stressed, even in the slightest way, if your intuition is like, yeah, that's kind of me sometimes, just know that you can't escape stress. And so that'll be a really great thing to to tune into and learn from. So I'm going to pop that in the show notes. So thank you for sharing that with us. Final question, final podcast question. Um, It's switching gears a little bit or kind of a lot actually, but I ask all of our guests this. It's a beautiful question. I want you to think back, Krista, to your younger menstruating self when you first mm-hmm. got your period and you know you started to go through menarche. What are three tips that you wish you had have known then when you were going through the men- menzies for the first time that you now know today? Mm-hmm. Really how important our nutrition affects our cycles. Did not know that. <laughs> how And really everything that we were talking about today, how stress impacts it and how incorporating some of these tools that we talked about, these stress tools to help, you know, calm my stress response would have been really helpful at that time too. And I wish I had all of those tips. I wish I had every tip that's been given ever on this podcast (laughs) when I started menstruating Um, instead of being, you know, really tomboyish and not even wanting boobs, let alone telling anyone (laughs) that I even had a period. Um, But Krista, thank you so much for sharing all of your beautiful, juicy wisdom today around hormone health and stress response and really how to care for your body when you're in a stress state. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, Body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.